0: One of the things that that boggles my mind is how unaware people are of their own security. Like, um, you see people with stickers on their cars, with the name of the school their children go to, and the name of each kid, and the name of the parents, and the dog, and the grandparents. And I, I, because of my years um, in development and a lot of the things I've seen, every time I see that my mind goes immediately to, How are you putting so much information
1: out there? Somebody's going to use that (laughs) to their advantage. How many stickers with our personal information are there in the digital world? How many times do we get phishing emails trying to use that information to somebody else's advantage? How many times are you using the same password for different accounts? As individuals, we all need to be more aware of how safe we are online. But for businesses, it is imperative to have cybersecurity protocols in place. While
2: many companies are moving into the digital era, the cybersecurity teams are just a very small team in in those companies. So we cannot rely security just in the team that is uh, in charge of the security, but we need to provide awareness trainings. We need to provide ways of improving the cybersecurity awareness of the organization.
1: At Globent, we help companies around the world reinvent themselves and find their way forward through digital and cognitive transformation. We help them create a way forward. Welcome to Season 2 of Unscripted Tech, a Globent original podcast about the trends that are changing how the technology game is played and about what we do with them. My name is Rebecca Reed, and I'm a content strategist at Globent. Over the next six episodes, we'll be talking about technology trends that are changing the game for companies across all industries. Each episode will feature conversations with Globers from around the world, disruptors, trailblazers and igniters that will channel innovation and creativity to provide a better understanding of what comes next with each of these tech trends. Let's dive into season two of Unscripted Tech. On today's episode, we'll discuss cybersecurity. Today, companies have plans to detect and protect themselves from threats, but also to respond when hackers succeed so they get back on their feet as soon as possible.
0: I would say, um, might as you try. You can train everybody. You can do everything right. You can um, have as many penetration testings as your money can afford. chances are you will be attacked. Chances are somebody's coming in. There's always a way. So while prevention is super, super important, it's also important to understand that everybody's still gonna be vulnerable um, and you still need to have an action plan in place for when it happens.
1: Carolina Dolan Chandler is Chief Digital Officer at Globent, and she's in charge of making the company's internal systems as useful and modern as they can be to enable day-to-day operations.
2: I think AI and blockchain will help us to get rid of passwords at some point. I don't think that happens before two to four years that we'll, we, we will still see passwords in applications, but in, in the midterm, we will start seeing that applications will use a different type of, uh, of authentication. So we will need to find new ways of providing uh, that authentication uh, in a simple um, I mean, in a way, but at the same time with a high level of security.
1: Sebastian Ariada is Chief Information Officer at Globent. He's in charge of the technology side of the internal systems of the company. And he has great news. In a relatively near future, we won't need to remember passwords to operate in the digital world. But that's just one of the examples of how things are changing in cybersecurity right now. And we do need that to happen. We have to get rid of those stickers in the car, and so do companies. To kick us off, could we discuss how cybersecurity is different from cyber defense?
2: Sure. Well, um, if you Google that question you will probably get thousands of questions. Uh, I really like to think of cybersecurity as an umbrella with different concepts. For example, plan, protect, detect and respond, recovery. And those are the, the concepts that allows companies to build what we call a cybersecurity program. Plan refer to how we manage security, protect to how we, what we do before an incident or how we prepare for an incident, detect and respond, refer to how we identify and respond and, and recovery includes activities that what we do after an incident. And, and cyber defense is usually related to two of them, to the detection and respond, and to the protection of those four concepts that i preferred before. Um, There's something very, very interesting. Uh, I guess you have heard about what a SOC and SOC team is, which is the security operation team. That team usually works seven hours a day for 24, seven days a week for 24 hours a day. And that's the team that usually is in charge of the cyber defense. So when we refer to cyber defense, we usually relate that to the team that is responsible to protect the company and to identify threats that may impact the company, either internal or external threats.
0: But the one important thing about um, cyber security, whenever you're talking about cyber security or cyber defense, Sebas mentions the SOC team, that's the team that's sort of on call. The thing is, when it comes to the reality of it, of it cybersecurity is something that needs to be guaranteed by every single person in the organization like everybody needs to be aware of the threats that are there and how they can prevent it because it's impossible for a single team to to handle the whole situation on their own every person is currently a target for a cybersecurity attack both personally and as a as a part of a company and unless they have awareness of what they need to do and how they can prepare themselves to avoid giving information to people they don't want to give information um, it it turns into a a sort of daunting task that nobody would ever be able to accomplish
2: while Many companies are moving into the digital era. The cybersecurity teams are just a very small team in in those companies. So we cannot rely security just in the team that is uh, in charge of the security, but we need to provide awareness trainings. We need to provide ways of improving the cybersecurity awareness of the organization
0: one of the things that that boggles my mind is how unaware people are of their own security. Like, um, you see people with stickers on their cars, with the name of the school their children go to, and the name of each kid, and the name of the parents and the dog and the grandparents. And I, I, I because of my years um, in development and a lot of the things I've seen, every time I see that, my mind goes immediately to, how are you putting so much information out there? Somebody's gonna use that <laughs> to their advantage. Um, have, have you watched these videos where they interview people asking them like, hey, what's your password? Oh, I'm not gonna tell you. Okay, can you tell me how you make it? Oh, well, yeah, it's the name of my dog and the year I, I was born. And then they start talking about something else and they ask them, so what's your dog? Oh, it's um, Fido. Oh, okay, and when, when were you born? And they don't realize they just gave away their full password. <laughs> There's tons of videos like that on the internet. And um, I'm, I'm, I've become very, very paranoid, but it boggles my mind how people are so blissfully unaware of the things that they're doing and the information that they're putting out there, and not even for their companies. I'm talking about for themselves, like um, people taking pictures of credit cards and sending them. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, <"W-> What? <laughs>
2: In, in that space, uh, the what we call MFA, w- which is multi-factor authentication, should not be optional anymore. Should be something mandatory that we do for every application, not only corporate applications, enterprise applications, but also personal applications. For example, when we use WhatsApp, we should make sure that we enable second factor authentication, same thing with our email solutions, definitely with our banking applications, but MFA should be now mandatory for everything we do just because passwords are usually uh, not as complex as they should. But in addition to that, as soon as someone gets one of the passwords we have, those passwords are usually shared between the different applications we have. Maybe we put the passwords in different sites and as soon one of those passwords get leaked, that password is used for other systems that we have. So the idea of using MFA for the apps we have helps us to to make sure that even someone gets one of our passwords, that person won't be able to log into our apps just because the person the, the lack of the, the second factor authentication.
1: So do you think that we'll be using passwords in the future? Or do you think that we'll, there will be some other way to access apps and platforms? There will be
0: some sort of security measure. Um, it could be password. It could be biometric. It could be a combination of different things. Like even nowadays, when you use MFA, you will use your password and then either an email or an application on your phone or something else that helps in, in securing that. Um, there's always going to be some kind of security level. It Some applications have already been relying on biometrics for a while. Um, Some offices, even our own office, like you go to the office and to get in, you basically do it with biometric. Um, It makes it a little bit easier for us uh, when it's like that, Um, but there are some challenges even when you go to biometric. Uh, Simplest one, twins, identical twins, how do you know which one it is? How do you ensure that an identical twin is not impersonating the other one? Um, So there's always going to be at least some level of (laughs) security question or something to try to identify you as best as we can. Um, But I think it will continue to mutate as time goes by.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. In fact, I think AI and blockchain will help us to... Uh, get rid of passwords at some point. Uh, I don't think that happens before two to four years that we'll, we, we will still see passwords in applications. But in, in the midterm, we will start seeing that applications will use a different type of, uh, of authentication. Uh, and, and there are different like uh, initiatives. For example, the, the technology trends such as Web3, Web5, uh, make very difficult to start uh, leveraging or, or using passwords for the, the authentication process because of the amount of time that we need to repeat the same password. So we will need to find new ways of providing uh, that authentication uh, in a simple and, 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 and more, and, and I mean, in, in a simple way, but at the same time with a high level of security.
1: All right, great. So what cybersecurity measures should every company keep in mind?
0: Ooh, there is a ton of things. Um, but it goes down to what Sebas was talking at the beginning. Um, and I won't remember all of them. He was talking about planning, preparing, um, and a bunch more. So you're going to have to complement that. Um, there is no one book for all. There is no one recipe that works for every single company. What matters most is an ongoing and constant development and assessment of the situation and, and being uh, applying new measures as you go. Um, not only does the company itself change, um, but also the threats that we have change. The ways people attack are different. Um, so it's not uh, a simple, basic do A, B, C kind of list that they can follow. It's a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more tailored for it to be successful.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh,
0: usually the, the,
2: the first step the, yeah, that, that I suggest is to start with a risk assessment, uh, mainly because what, what a risk is for a company probably is totally different to the risk for another company in a different industry. So. Usually we, we suggest starting with a risk assessment that provide the risk of an organization. And, and from there, we start analyzing those risks, the security controls that we are going to implement and the measures that we are going to, to take to make sure that we do not have threats, we do not have incidents and, and how we react very quickly from them. For example, in our case, we are a software development company. We have more than fifteen thousand of developers in the organization. So obviously, the the code that we build, the software that we build, is one of the uh, the risk that we have as an as an organization. So we make sure we have different measures, different controls to make sure that the code that we build for our clients has the 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 level of security that our clients are expecting, and and So, we we make sure that whatever we deliver to our clients uh, is not only uh, with the quality that we expect, but also with the security, with the security level that we expect as an organization.
1: Are there any unique challenges to security when you have such a large number of developers um, working on client products?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, When we refer to the application life cycle. we usually refer to, or we usually organize that life cycle in different stages, plan, develop, build, deploy, maintain. So what, first of all, while we are planning the app, when we are getting the requirements, then the development process, while we are building the app, then when we deploy the app and, and last but not least, while we are maintaining the app. And each of those stages, should include some kind of security. For example, if we start getting requirements and we do not check if they are according to not only security, but also regulations that we need to align, well, that, that's something we need to do at that time. Because if we start getting requirements without checking the, the security that we should be applying to the app, then probably we are going to, to, to ask, accept things that cannot be implemented. While we are coding an app, We need to check and to make sure, first of all, that we are not adding vulnerabilities to the code, but also that we are reusing components that we are using, for example, libraries, that they don't have vulnerabilities associated. Uh, While we are maintaining the code, we need to make sure that we are up to date, we have all the patches needed, that we uh, update the the systems as soon as there is uh, any threat that may impact on them. So each step of the software lifecycle, of the application lifecycle, should have some security uh, activity related.
0: So let me give a little bit more color to Seba's answer. If you look at us as a company, we have three types of security concerns. One is... um, people accessing our information, like our own stuff. Uh, We're a public company. If people have access to our financials before they are supposed to be out, that's very bad, very risky, et cetera. Then we have the concern about information about our clients being out there, right, or information about people who have trusted us with their information being out there, sort of the information that we hold on behalf of a third party. And the third one, which is what Sebas was referring to, since the work that we do is um, developing software for other companies, it's how do we make sure that whatever software we create is secure as well so that we don't become a liability to our clients. As you see, there's a lot of different aspects that we need to be mindful of. When you're talking about three different levels of focus and 25,000 people-ish or so involved in managing different levels of information, of course, it becomes a risk. It becomes um, more challenging. At any time when you have more volume, you have less control, and you have to think of different approaches to ensure that both three aspects of uh, how we control and secure the information are always in in place and are always um, in check, and we don't have any issues around. Yeah, just to, to complement what Caro just mentioned, uh,
2: standard processes are mandatory for us. We cannot execute like one thing for, for every, or one different process for every employee that we have. We need to uh, be very aligned to standard processes. We need to have automation, to be able to to identify any threat that may be not only in the external network, but also in the internal network. We need to have different ways of controlling what what is going on related to the applications and infrastructure that we have. We have applications in different cloud environments. We have different type of applications and we have thousands of users using them. So uh, it is not, Easy for us to keep that with a manual and and like a ad hoc process, but we need to have standard processes that help us to uh, to react and to to keep security up to date with the people that we have uh, working on the security of the company
0: add to that, that um, we have people all over the world, and this happens to a lot of companies, they all have their own nuances and their own cultural background. In some, um, just like for me, I'm more of a paranoid type of person, there's the individual who puts the sticker on their car with the name and everything, right? Um, Even if we take the exact same training, we are not going to react to the same training the same way. So you have to Think of ways to get to all of those different individuals who come with their own biases, their own context, their own everything. And you have a lot of cases where they might um, do something that is a security risk or a security concern, like forward something to their personal email, and they'll look at you dead in the eye and say, well, but it was just my own email. And somebody like (laughs) Sebas or somebody like myself might be freaking out inside saying, It's not the corporate email. That's not supposed to happen. Um, People really have a different uh, awareness in terms of what's going on, and getting to all of them makes it a little bit more conflicting. Um, You don't train everybody the same way. So everything multiplies in terms of the risks that we have in front of us, uh, as and any company, in front of the challenges that you have to make everybody understand. Um, Even our own internal teams have different takes on what is risky and what isn't. So the more volume, the more everything, it becomes even more complex and take it St- put yourself in the in the shoes of one of our clients. They don't only have to worry about their own people, but they also have to worry a little bit about our people or about the fact that we need to make sure that we keep their stuff safe. So as soon as you even, no, no matter the size of your company, you're also working with vendors, you're also working with providers and that amplifies the problem even more. Yeah, um, to,
2: to complement that answer, gamification, is usually a very interesting tool for us. We execute different games along the year that that increase, improve the security awareness of our Glovers. For example, the Capture the Flag game is an activity that we execute at least once a year. It's an activity where our Glovers can join a game and start finding vulnerabilities or flags Uh, that helps them to get points and and win the the activity. So that's an example. Then we do other activities like phishing phishing campaigns, uh, ethical hacking campaigns, where we test vulnerabilities, where we test how our glovers react to emails that we send with uh, fake information. Uh, So there are different activities that we execute in order to, first, to increase the awareness security level of our Glovers, but also to test what they are doing.
1: What do you think the biggest challenge is when keeping private information safe?
0: I think it's people. Because systems, they have vulnerabilities. You can assess them. You, can, you have tools that you can use to verify those. You can um, do uh, penetration testing and try to break them as much as you can. People you don't know how they're going to be reacting. Everybody reacts differently, um, and again, this sort of lack of awareness that the, that the general population has right now, it it creates this situation where it's totally out of our control. Um, so I would say that's the biggest challenge.
2: Yes, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, sometimes it's not easy to to control. How, for example, how people is sharing documents. So we really need to take that under control to, to review what they are, what, what they are doing. Uh, because we, we, if we provide rights for people to do things, then we need to, to make sure that they are really doing what they should be doing. Uh, from a technical perspective, when we talk about the, 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 the pillars in information security, we usually talk about confidentiality, integrity, availability availability is usually not a problem uh, especially now in the digital era with cloud computing vendors are investing uh, millions of dollars to keep the the, the systems up and running or, or at least up uh, confidentiality uh, we, we have uh, different ways of checking the users of we, we already talked about MFA about how a user can be Authenticated, but integrity from my point of view uh, is where we may have a, still a challenge.
1: And why does that happen?
2: When we refer to information in transit, which is usually when we refer to the information that is moving, uh, integrity is usually not a problem at that time because there are transit protocols, there are protocols, network protocols that help us to make sure that that we can review that the application is not modified along the way. But in case of information at rest, which is the information that is stored in one place, for example, in a disk or, or whatever it is, that's usually one of the, the things that is not, is not very easy to check and not many companies check because we need to have a way to confirm if the applications have, have been modified And also to match that modification with a user that have real access to that information. There are different mechanisms that we can use. For example, sometimes we include checks, we include hashes that help us to check how the information was modified, but from a technical perspective, I think that the integrity for information at rest is still the 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 big challenge that we have, the biggest challenge that we have.
1: What are the fundamentals regarding security in an app?
2: Well, um, I already mentioned how to to protect the entire application lifecycle or or the different activities that we can apply uh, when we implement or when we build new applications uh, along the way with the plan, develop, build, deploy, and and maintain, Uh, but if we refer specifically about the fundamentals, there are different processes that we need to take care of. For example, the authentication and authorization process, the access control, how we provide uh, access to that application, the validation of inputs and outputs, error management, encryption and logs. There are different processes of an application that are the foundations to make sure that the application uh, is secure or match with the security levels that we expect. There are different organizations, different standards that help our glovers to to make sure that they have the, the, the levels of security that we expect. For example, nowadays OWASP, which is uh, uh, an open organization focus on security released usually every three years, what they call the top 10 attacks, which summarize the the attacks that are like more common in, applica- in different applications. That is usually a way we have to compare the applications we build
0: with the m- most common type of attacks that, are, that applications are getting. I mean, there's a lot of standards and lists out there, and OWASP top 10 is not new. I remember using it back in 2009 as a reference, I think, or 2010, like way back when it was already a standard that we were aware of. And uh, I've been a little bit detached from the day-to-day development for a few years as I did a, a nice, lovely stint in marketing, and I need to freshen up on this. But I'm sure there's a few others out there that can continuously help development teams in making sure that their apps, back offices, and whatnot stay secure? Yeah, there is something
2: that I would like to add here. We all know that, that we are already in the agile era where we need to build an application with an agile, agile way. For more than six, eight years now, we've been working with DevOps teams that help our developers to not only to build the application with the standards that we expect, but also to make sure that they are able to, to deploy those applications uh, in, in a very fast way uh, and without human errors. And nowadays, for the last two to three years, we've been talking about deep DevSecOps, which is not a change in the culture, but the idea of adding a security layer to, to the to the DevOps team. So in addition to the different things they do, they can also check the security of the code that they are moving from one environment to the other in an agile way. So when we are now talking about deploying and building and deploy apps, and we consider the different teams that are involved in that process, we usually include security people which are part of the DevOps, and are helping the team to make sure that the applications we build and the applications we send to the different environments, they accomplish the security that we expect.
0: That's actually um, a great point. Like many, many years ago, um, when I first started developing, we we kind of had to fight to show that we needed QA on our teams because um, it wasn't fully understood, and some managers would come back to you and tell you, well, but you should make sure you do your work properly. Uh, you shouldn't need QA. The The whole industry has been moving forward for many, many years, and um, QA is now a given. Um, eventually, the same thing happens to DevOps, and at least from our standpoint, security has reached that point. Security has become such a constant threat in every development that it is becoming a best practice to have a security person overseeing any development. Not because we don't trust that the people who are working are going to be doing uh, the best they can. It's just because it's impossible for anybody to be aware of everything, to be aware of all of the ongoing threats and the new threats that appear daily. So having this new um, identity, this new figure uh, in every development team that is working on stuff adds a layer that can give you some peace of mind at the end of the day and can give you um, more trust in what is going to come live eventually in some weeks or months or whenever things go live.
1: What can businesses and organizations do to raise awareness within their own company on the importance of cybersecurity and cyber defense?
0: Drill, drill, drill! <laughs> constant training, constant testing them, constant uh, putting people uh, like Sebas was saying in situations where they receive emails and that are not actually phishing, but they're our phishing, and we can know who is lacking in terms of their own awareness. But um, I don't, I don't think there's a magic solution. It's just a constant pushing and reminding people about this uh, being out there.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and in addition to that, there are uh, platforms uh, available that we can use to train our people, to track the trainings they are doing, to test the knowledge to for, for different things to improve the awareness they have. So in addition to the activities we do, in addition to... The different processes that we add, the controls that we implement, we, we use online platforms for our glovers that they can use to take trainings and improve the knowledge they have. Then it is very important for us to to check and to validate that knowledge in, in practice. Because at the end, if you get, I think I mentioned before, sometimes you, you do a training and you understand something and then another person do the same training and understand a different thing. So we, we make sure that we test the knowledge, not, not only with a the, with the practice test, but with a test after the training, but in real. For example, with phishing campaigns, with ethical hacking campaigns, with different campaigns that we implement uh, very often to, to make sure that we check how our users react to specific activities.
1: So is prevention the key to cybersecurity? I
0: would say... Um might as you try. You can train everybody. You can do everything right. You can um, have as many penetration testings as your money can afford. You, chances are you will be attacked. Chances are somebody's coming in. There's always a way. So while prevention is super, super important, it's also important to understand that everybody's still going to be vulnerable. Um, and you still need to have an action plan in place for when it happens, because it's not a matter of if it happens. Um, we talked a lot today about sort of the preparation, but we didn't get to talk about the what what to do when the situation comes. And um, in our experience, we've seen different responses from our people, and you even as like with an emergency evacuation, you might have a great plan but um, at the time of stress people your own people might get a little bit distracted or, or overwhelmed with the whole situation so, doing drills not only to train, to prepare, and prevent, but doing drills to let's make sure we have everything in place for when it happens, what we need to do, who's doing what, um, how do we recover, who's managing, etc. is always a good idea, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, reliability uh, is one of the most important things uh, to invest in. We need to make sure that if something happens, uh, we have control of the impact of that things that that is happening. so reliability uh, is key um, and, and, and in addition to that, what, what I would like to to add as a summary is the, the the security maturity level of the organizations is still behind what hackers can do. Unfortunately, not only for us but for the, the entire world, hackers, they have time they have money, they are investing, they have tools, they have a lot of things, and and organizations are still behind that. We are still running, trying to close the gap, to implement more controls, to balance security with the business. We are still working on that. Uh, So until we are able to, to, to close that gap, We need to make sure that we can control the risks that we find for the organization.
1: Nowadays, there are more digital devices than people. That means hackers have more targets available to try to access or destroy information, get money through extortion, or interrupt business processes. That's why cybersecurity is so critical to companies. As Carolina and Sebastian mentioned, they have to plan how to manage security, protect their information and processes, detect threats and respond properly, and last but not least, have ways to recover after incidents happen. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more insights on season two of Unscripted Tech, a Globent original podcast where we reflect on developments that will shape our future. To learn more about how we seek reinvention, go to globent.com and follow our show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.